This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We've been doing the show for about six months, maybe close to six and a half months, and this is a first today. I'm Sandy Clough. Sean Rotar is off. He'll be returning tomorrow, but we have four people crammed into this little studio, and I hope we can see all four. Dr. Rick Perea to my left, uh, who has been uh, joining us throughout the course of the week, uh, at least the last couple of days. Uh, this is Mile High Sports, of course, 98.1 FM and 107.5 HD3. Our caller text line is 303-831-1340. We're streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen. And if you wish to watch, it's milehighsports.com slash watch. And, of course, we're available via the free Mile High Sports app. Our producer is the great Danny Bailey. And, Dr. Perea, we have two guests, one of whom I had met before today. Yeah. And uh, the other, and we're talking about two high school coaches yeah, uh, who I uh, uh, have not met until today, yeah. but uh, I'll let you introduce them. You know them both uh, quite well, better than I do. Yeah, you know. And we're pleased to we, have them here. Yeah, we not only have two high school girls basketball coaches, two yeah. of the best. And I mean that it quantitatively. Well, we only bring a, the best into the studio, right? Yeah. Exactly. We and and we quanti- quantitatively, it supports that with their records. But qualitatively, um, I, I can't say enough about you know these coaches. They they just do an amazing job with the girls, not just basketball, but developing them as people. Right. And you know, I you know my background. I don't have to tell you. Um, worked in pro sports, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. The experiences I've had with these high school teams, Sandy, has just been so tremendously, intrinsically, internally rewarding. Just having fun at a pure level, but yet playing competitive basketball at a high level. So um, without further ado, we have the head basketball coach for Arapaho and a head basketball coach from Valor. Um, who actually played last year in the what semis quarters? Grade eight. Grade eight. And before, uh, grade eight. Who won mm-hmm. that game? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we no. won the year before. Yeah, okay. Okay. we're even. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we are. No, it, it was a very competitive game, and again, uh, outstanding citizens and, and and athletes on both sides. But um, you know, Jerry, I'll let you take it and tell us tell us why you're here and tell us the cause that you guys have uh are using in the format you're using it's just you know sandy as you and i have dealt with suicide um directly in our families and close friends um you guys have taken it to the next step and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing yeah um so chasa allows schools to play a foundation game in just about every sport and you contribute couple hundred dollars to Chassa's cause, whatever they've chosen as their nonprofit. And um, you can play a game and you can keep score and there can be officials. None of those stats count. The great game doesn't count in your record. It's just another game. But Chassa raises money for a foundation they've chosen. Six years ago now, um, I did our first foundation game with uh, the now Denver East coach, Carl Maddie, who was at Regis at the time. 
and is actually my, my neighbor. We live like 300 yards apart. And so, um, and prior, we would, we'd set up, we were going to play this foundation game. We'd pick the dates. And um, in the latter part, I want to say of September, two students at Arapahoe High School committed suicide. They had gone to parochial school, uh, elementary and middle school, with a lot of the Regis kids. Uh, one of my players, uh, Grace Cataret, uh, was the last person to see Nick Bales uh, the night before he took his life. And so Carl and I, literally three weeks before that first game, decided, let's make this our cause. Let's do this ribbon. Let's advertise it. Let's get the kids to put it out. Let's get our communities activated. And... Um, like coming in here for the first time I've ever uh, been on the radio. But you didn't, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And that night, over 2,000 people packed Arapahoe's gym yeah. to watch a girls' basketball game between Regis and Arapahoe. It was a great game. Nobody cared about it. Both of the moms of those two students spoke at halftime, uh, Mar Maria Bales and um, Samantha Davis's mom also. And... Um, you could have heard a pin drop. And so it ended up, we raised uh, for the, the nonprofit we were using at the time, which was Judy's House, which is Brooke Reese's and Second Wind Fund, um, about $11,000, $12,000 that night. Uh, we did it the next year. The boys wanted to be involved. We did a silent auction. Uh, we raised directly $23,000 and my nephew works for the Broncos, and he put Second Wind Fund in for a drawing that the players contribute to, and they got drawn, and they got another $50,000 from that. And then COVID hit. We didn't have it for a few years. And then last year, uh, Jessica and I decided we would play uh, Valor and Arapahoe. And, and the great thing is uh, about this game, more so than with Regis and Carl, and that was all great. But our kids all know one another. Mm. I mean, they play on the same club a lot of them. Right. Um, they're, they're, our schools aren't very far apart. And uh, Jessica and I love one another. And we, we've said mm. that after those both those playoff games that could be really painful for both of us. Mm. But there's just a lot of admiration and love between us. And so last year we had to have this game – I'm dominating this conversation, so you can take over at any time. We, we ended up having to play it. Like well, you got to let her get in. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, come on. Yeah, now, you know? Let me get done with this, and then I'll let her. We played it the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which right. was an optimum. Yeah. This year it's November 18th, so it's the Saturday Wonderful. before Thanksgiving. Wonderful. Wonderful. And two other teams are involved, uh, Rangeview. Tony Spates is the coach there. And uh, Thunder Ridge, and that's Shauna Stone, second-year coach there. Tony's first year at Rangeview, but he was previously at Chap. And so uh, they wanted to play. And so um, so on November 18th, it's going to be a day. I mean, we're going to have a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And okay. we'll, we'll, we'll uh, reintroduce Jerry Canapel as the high school girls basketball coach at Arapahoe. And Jessica Caldwell at Ballard Christian High School is uh, the girls basketball coach. And at, how did you get together with Coach Canapel on this particular idea? Sure. So the year before, in 2021, I believe, um, our 
gym flooded our main gym flooded so we were basically kicked out of our space for an entire season played every single game on the road that year um, which was a challenge Uh, so 2021 going into 2022 and because of my relationship with Jerry and because our athletes knew each other and because we're really only five minutes away kind of during that preseason time we decided to, you know, I was reached out and was like, hey, I need some help. We don't have anywhere to be or nowhere to practice. And so Jerry graciously opened up Arapaho and we did multiple open gyms together in that preseason time. Um, and it was a beautiful opportunity, not only for us to grow as coaches, because he would run a drill and I'd run a drill and we're, we're basically teaching and training our kids together and then we'd play against each other and then we'd mix it up yeah. and it became such an incredible way to, to set up the season. Um, so go through that season, we play each other in the final four um, and that was a really great game and a beautiful um, display of our girls came together prior to in a huddle and just a unique opportunity to say, hey, like it's whatever we do is bigger than basketball. We compete hard, we play hard, and it was a fantastic game. Um, and he texted me after, he's like, if I'm gonna lose to anybody, I'd, I'd yeah. rather lose to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from that, our, our friendship just continues to sure. grow and our relationship and, and coaching partnership um, is bolstered by one another. And so when he approached me about the opportunity to be a part of that, we said yes. Um, we experienced two, um, deaths in our community over that last year and a half at that time so um and when was it when was a teacher um and that hit home to me being being a wife and a mom she was a wife and a mom and so those moments were like yeah nobody no nobody is unaffected by it and so um this is important this is worthy and we want to say yes and do something real big you know i want to say something sandy i I just I got goosebumps when you started talking about you guys played each other, your teams played each other in the final four. And yet prior to that season, you opened up your gym at Arapaho to get training because their gym flooded. I, I mean, you just don't see that in pro sports. You don't see that necessarily in the highest levels of college sports because it's so hyper competitive. But the piece what I love is when you guys played each other, the girls, would you say, had a little huddle together? Yeah, the starters came together, um, yeah. all five on each side, kind of intermingled and huddled, um, just kind of encouraged one another, said a word of prayer, and began that game. And um, I kind of had caught wind that maybe they were talking about doing something like that, and I had kind of mentioned it to him, but we kind of stayed out of it as coaches. And that probably is one of the most impactful moments of my life as a coach, to watch those girls do that and make that decision. Um, and it, it it was a beautiful – there's a picture of it, yeah. and it's probably one of my favorite photos of all time. You know, that's that's so powerful because it is this, – this is bigger than basketball. Um, people's lives, people's well-beings, mental health is much better than, much bigger than than basketball. My son, as you know, Sandy, I have two sons playing at Cherry Creek, and one's a junior. And I've told Dave Logan on several occasions, like, I don't even care about football. I don't. And I'm an ex-football player. What I care about is the camaraderie, the relationships, the the human development that goes on through football. The football part, that's going to happen. But the relationships and the fact that you two coaches 
came together. You opened your gym. You opened your heart. I know you really well. I mean, man, I, I love this guy. Um, and, and, and then you guys are competing in the Final Four. No wonder you're in the Final Four because you have so much love on your team. Right. You know? Right. And, and, and hopefully you're in the Final Two. You're in the Finals yeah. this year. These yeah. two teams. Yeah, that'd be Wouldn't nice. that be amazing, huh? Yeah, but, nice. but just, yeah. And, and then, you know, Jessica, if you could talk a little bit more about the cause, specifically what it's about. Yeah. So this year we are going to um, hold up and celebrate um, the foundation of Brought to Reality um, by Will and um, Maria Bales, um, who sent Nick Bales, um, like Jerry was talking about earlier, took his life about five years ago. Um, and through that, we, um, we're going to raise funds by, you know, just entry fees. So come on in, drop some money in. Um, we've got a silent auction through that day. Um, uh, we Chuck have Chuck-A-Duck, which is a really fun fundraiser. So you'll buy some ducks, like little rubber ducks. Um, and at halftime um, of both games, there'll be an opportunity to take whatever ducks that you've purchased, chuck them to the middle of the court. Whoever's closest to the center will win Chick-fil-A for a year. So we have two wow. Chick-fil-A for a year opportunities um, for our fans and spectators to win. Um, and we're just really excited to partner with Thunder Ridge and Range View and, and involve those teams. And one of the unique things that we are going to do like we did last year, so instead of having a normal fourth quarter, um, of the game. Uh, last year, we combined teams and played against each other. So we had a combined game. So and it was tied at the end of the It was tied after the end of three quarters, <laughs> which is so fun. Yeah. Um, and so this year, what we're going to do is Thunder Ridge and Ranger will play three quarters, and then they'll go kind of take a break. Um, uh, Maria Bales will come on and speak and, and give hopefully And hopefully Rick. Hey, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. Count me in. Um, to speak and give a powerful message of just um, community that it's going to take everybody to check on one another mm -hmm. um, and what are the resources available um, to prevent, prevent one of the, the the biggest most challenging things our student athletes are facing right now Jerry we'll go back to you and uh, let you both uh, before we close out here talk about mental health in our society today and I've heard people say that and my left here sitting is one of those people who, who said uh, it is among uh, and perhaps the foremost issue in our country today, mental health. I completely agree with Rick's take on that. And he and I have had numerous conversations about that. And um, it, was, it was an issue before COVID. And I think the whole COVID thing just multiplied that, uh, the factors that go into that for our society in general. And teens, you know, have, have a more difficult time looking at the big picture, looking down the road. Sometimes the immediate circumstance is what they want to base decisions on. And uh, we just want to let them know that's not the case. So teen suicide and mental health, uh, teen suicide prevention and mental health has become a really important thing uh, to us and to me. And uh, I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Um, they, they don't. They, they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to believe it exists. But you see a, a kid 
that has a broken arm, he's in a cast. You, you know he's got a broken arm. You can ask him how his broken arm is. But a kid that's struggling with mental health issues or depression, you can't, you can't see that. There's no flashing light on that kid that says, hey, help me, help me, help me. Right? We want to let all those kids know that they're important to us, and we want to do everything we can to help them. So all of our, our money goes to the foundations we chose, BTR, uh, right now is the one and Marie and Will Bales are just so supportive of everything. Marie has actually designed the shirt uh, we, and, and uh, that we're going to have made for all the players. All the players will wear those to warm up in. And um, so, and yeah, it's important. To and us. I just want to say something really quick. Um, this is extemporaneous. This wasn't planned. I'm going to donate uh, money and I'm also going to donate um, our services, whatever we have at, at Think One, which we have a multitude of things to help with your silent auction, and oh, awesome. and I'm in, in, in Ryan's name, in Ryan's name. Um, no, that's above and beyond as usual as as to what you do with everything in your life, above and beyond, and um, so we look forward to it. We, we yeah. do, and and Jessica. Um, I, I'm sure you agree that particularly since COVID hit, we we just have to be even more vigilant than we were before. We do, and we have to hold each other up well, and we have to ask each other how we're doing, and we have to say honest things and, and bring the truth to light. And in order to do that, we need to be educated on how to do that well for one another, as well as how to seek out the right opportunities um, for help and, and saying, you know what, I need that. I need somebody to come alongside me because I can't do it by myself. Jessica Caldwell is the outstanding girls head basketball coach at Valor Christian High School. And Jerry Knappel is uh, the girls head basketball coach at Arapahoe High School. And again, November 18th November is 18th. the date. Uh, where and what at, time? At Arapahoe High School. Okay. Uh, games will start at 5. We'll probably open doors for silent auction and that type of stuff at 4. And um, and it's going to be a fantastic day because we're going to have a four-team meal. All the teams are going to come in. We're going to eat together during the day. Um, my, my girls are doing their pictures that morning, so it's going to be a whole day of basketball for them. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's going to be really neat, and I don't know if you finished that, but we will play three-quarters, three-quarters, but then us and Valor will be one team playing against the combined Rangeview Thunder Ridge team. Wonderful. For a quarter. Wonderful. And yeah. just, just so that that's terrific. they see the, the purpose of the night. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, Jerry, you and I met, oh, couple months ago now yes that, that yes. about right uh, one of the dog, dog nation, nation yeah. uh, events Party. and uh, uh, we we enjoyed that immensely and uh, it was great to meet you and uh, you mentioned your nephew works uh, for the Broncos yes. and you are the nephew of uh, uh, the great uh, Green Bay tight end Gary Knaffel yeah who played uh, on the Lombardi Packers during yeah. the late 1950s uh, through what about the mid 1960s yeah uh, finished up with the 49ers was offered uh, the public address job on the plane back to Green Bay even though he was playing for the 49ers right. by Vince Lombardi yeah who ran everything yes he and did. Uh, apparently was in charge of uh, 
uh, the public address announcer uh, as well. And uh, Gary did that for, for 40 years. And uh, speaking of mental health, uh, he's been one of the great spokesmen I know uh, for uh, uh, player uh, health uh, post-career, particularly those who played back in his era right. who don't have the same kind of benefits that players do nowadays or the fighting for those yeah. exactly right. and and did not have the precautions while they played that are in place uh, at this point and uh gary both as a football player and uh, uh, during his retirement years has been a great community man and you follow in uh, uh, his footsteps yeah, uh, magnificently I, uh, and jessica you do too i want to thank you both for coming in not only to join us today but to join us in person yeah. Uh, is even uh, better, and uh, uh, you're two of the great coaches of any sport uh, here in the state of Colorado and the region, and we are thankful to have you both here, and we will continue to publicize the event uh, leading up to November 18th. We have this character on every Monday. Uh, for, uh, check up from the neck up on Metal Mondays at 5 p.m., and uh, uh, certainly in the weeks leading up to November 18th, we will uh, – once again, publicize it, and we know you'll have a huge turnout, and uh, I certainly would be honored to be there oh, as well. I, I hope you are, man. Hopefully. I... Lastly, let me say this. You know I don't throw compliments around. If you've listened to us yeah. the last few days, I've been very crit yes. critical of a few teams around here. But these are two yeah. of the best people, yeah. two of the best people, not to mention coaches, yeah. leaders, but two of the best people. I'm proud of you guys. I'm, I'm just so proud to be associated with this organization and what you guys are doing. So thank you for coming in. Love Thanks, you. coaches. Love you, Love you too, brother. We appreciate it. So Love you. you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. And that is uh, a good way, wonderful way to kick off our show uh, here today. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the weekend ahead. Remember, Sean Rotar will be rejoining us tomorrow. Rick Perea with us uh, for the next hour and a half plus. As we continue, Sandy and Sean on My High Sports. I'm Sandy Clapman, of course. Sean Drotar is off. He will be returning tomorrow. Dr. Rick Perea spending his uh, third straight day with us. And he has survived the experience. Oh, I love it. Up to, up to this point, we've had a ball. We have. Uh, in all seriousness, we've, we've had a great time uh, this week. And uh, I guess when I was thinking about uh, the Broncos' upcoming game with Chicago, and we described it, I think, earlier this week as the Caleb Williams Bowl, <laughs> although I wonder if Caleb Williams would wish to play for either team, certainly not in their current state, he could conceivably go back to USC just as Shadur Sanders could go back to the University of Colorado. Both are draft eligible, but they don't have to come out right. this year. And I wonder if either one or both will be watching on Sunday. I think because they will. USC is yeah. in here on Saturday right. to play CU. And uh, of course, Shadur Sanders and Caleb Williams will be on the field Saturday and, uh, Conceivably, both could be watching teams on Sunday that may draft them. Right. If they're coming out for the draft, 
next spring. Yeah, I think that Denver still has a national reputation that is very reputable. Um, even though Denver hasn't had a, a great record in the last seven years, I still think on a national level, people respect this organization. Um, if it keeps going the way it is, that could suffer. But I think knowing the people that I know in, in Caleb Williams' camp, that Denver would be an option. Um, obviously, how they play this year is important, but I think they understand that, you know, whether he's in the building or not, John Elway still has his shadows are still uh, in that building. And so they, they like, there's some things they like about Denver. So I would yeah. I would say you you might be on the money, Sandy. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, but May, I, Maybe more so than Chicago. And, of course, we don't know what will happen with Justin Fields and his development. Right. It seems to have hit a snag. Uh, he's he's down at or near the bottom in most every individual quarterbacking uh, statistic. Russell Wilson is not, but if I had to guess which of the two would be playing next year, I'd probably favor Justin Fields playing in Chicago over Russell Wilson being the starting quarterback in Denver, although it's entirely possible that Caleb Williams could be drafted by the Bears if he does come out and they have the number one pick. Yeah, I, I do not think that Russell Wilson will be the starting quarterback here next year. I, I just do not Somehow, think... Somehow, I don't think so either. And it's just a question. They'll take an $85 million cap hit. Yep. It's just a question of the timing of his release if they move in that direction. If it's post-June 1st, they can split up the $85 million over mm-hmm. a two-year period. If they released him prior to that, then they'd have to take the hit all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that the Caleb Williams Derby would, is, is something that um, would fit really well here in Denver in a lot of ways. Um, But I I don't see him going to Chicago. I just don't. I I think that Chicago is going in a different direction for sure. Yeah. But I think Caleb Williams and his father, let's not forget, his father's driving a lot of this. Absolutely. So his let's, father, let's, his father let's was the one who reminded everyone a few weeks back it wasn't Caleb. Yeah. It was the father who said, you know, he doesn't have to come out this year. Yeah. And, and he may want to come back to USC right. in and, 2024. And let's remember, 1983, there was another quarterback we know that, whose father got a little involved in that Just draft a as well. Bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Of course, that father uh, was a coach at the time and uh, knew quite well, uh, unfortunately for the Baltimore Colts, their head coach at the time, Frank Cush, against whom Jack Elway had competed and had an extreme dislike for during their years in competition because Frank Cush was, uh, we just had... uh, Jerry Canaffle's nephew in here, uh, Jerry Canaffle, the girls' basketball coach at Arapahoe High School. Jerry Canaffle, of course, played for the Green Bay Packers during the 1960s, and we talked a lot about Coach Lombardi uh, yesterday. And Frank Cush was a Coach Lombardi wannabe Mm -hmm. without uh, any of the redeeming qualities that Vince Lombardi had, and there were many redeeming qualities. But Frank Cush thought that you got the most out of players by yelling and at times physically abusing players. That's mm-hmm. how you got the most out of them. And uh, Jack Elway was never going to let John Elway play for Frank Cush. Had 
little to nothing to do with the Baltimore right. Colts, which unfortunately at the time, uh, the Elways chose not to explain um, and and created the impression that they didn't want to go to Baltimore because they disliked the city and John Elway didn't want to play in the cold and he was a West Coast beach boy, which mm. was kind of absurd. Right. Um, and when somebody said, well, you play baseball for the New York Yankees and it gets cold in New York, John's response was great. He says, really? How cold <laughs> does it get in New York during the summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In fact, New York is a lot hotter and much more humid than California is during the during the baseball season. Yep. But be that as it may, uh, the it, the big question of the make to me, as far as the Broncos are concerned, is how do they react to getting beaten by fifty points on Sunday mm-hmm. down in Miami? Now, Chicago, you're going from one end of the league competitively yeah. in Miami, at or near the top to at or near the bottom, probably the bottom, for the Chicago Bears who have lost 13 straight football games right. carrying back to last year. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to do. The San Francisco 49ers, I believe, have won 13 in a row, and that's really hard to do, but it's almost as hard to lose 13 in a row <laughs> that's right. in the NFL yeah. in an age of uh, at least to a degree parity, which the NFL still talks about yeah. all the time and how quickly you can rise from one year to the next, or as we've seen with both the Bears and the Broncos, how quickly you can decline. The Bears were a playoff team in 2018, quite a good team, in fact, and they had a quarterback named Mitch Trubisky Mm. at the time. Now they have Justin Fields, uh, who seems to be having even more difficulty in Chicago than Trubisky did. But in your opinion, just as a general matter, you know the Broncos well, you know a lot of the people, you know a lot of the players. How do they react to getting beaten by 50 points? How should they react this week? Sean Payton talked about yesterday they had good practice, and seemed to have gotten over it. Do you get over it? Not many teams lose by 50 points. That's right. So here's here's my angle, and I'm always looking at organizational performance, right. player development. So the leadership on that team needs to take a step forward from a coaching perspective, from a, from a front office perspective. And if I'm Sean Payton this week in my Wednesday morning squad meeting to begin the week, because Tuesday's a traditional day off in the NFL, on Wednesday morning in my squad meeting, I'm going to put up on what we call a Prezi. It's a 3D version of PowerPoint. Now, my Prezi up there, I'm going to say there's a 1090 rule. And that means life is 10% and football is 10% of what happens the game on Sunday, 90% how we react to it. So it's not so important what happened. What's important now is how are we going to react to it? What are we going to do? How are we going to train in our practices, the energy, the effort, the attitude that we go forward? And how do we respond to this? Because the reality is this. This game may, I'm not saying it will, but this game may turn them around. 20 degrees, 40 degrees, 180 degrees, I don't know. But it's more important how they respond than what happened. And that's what they have to understand. Every day they have a choice to carry themselves with an effort and energy and an attitude 
that starts from the neck up. I just want to emphasize that to people again. That doesn't start in your quads, in your hamstrings, in your pecs. It starts in the brain. How I comport myself every day when I walk through those doors, when I walk out those doors onto the practice field, how am I going to practice? How am I going to work at, at perfecting my craft, not just from the neck down, but from the neck up? And that also goes for Sean Payton and his staff and his staff. How are they going to hold them accountable to be the leadership that this team needs right now? And if I'm working with that team right now as a performance psychologist, I'm telling Sean Payton that, Sean Payton that you and your staff need to lead this team through this. Don't point it at them. Don't, they're, they're 21, 22, 25 years old for the majority. You let your leadership skills, your competencies as a coach, lead these young men through this murky water, and let's come out the other side a better football team. Two players in particular had a reaction this week to what happened on Sunday. One was Alex Singleton, the inside linebacker, and the other was Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle. Both had miserable games on Sunday, but both spoke this week on how they are going about, for lack of a better tune, soothing the sting mm. of a 50-point loss. Mm. And we'll get Rick Perea's reaction to their approach or approaches next as we continue here on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough, Chandro Tar on this Thursday afternoon in the Mile High City, 28th day of September. Wow, this month has flown by. 2023, Sean Drotar will return tomorrow. Dr. Rick Perea for the last three days now has been sitting in. And uh, the question of how the Broncos will react, should react, to an historic loss, 50-point loss to the Miami Dolphins this past Sunday as they take on perhaps the one team in the league that has bigger concerns at this point than the Broncos do, and that team would be the Chicago Bears. Uh, not exactly uh, the featured game of the week. Uh, we've got a London game on Sunday with yeah. uh, Atlanta-Jacksonville. We've got a good Thursday night game tonight, Detroit and Green Bay. Yeah, Very interesting uh, game there um, since they seem to be, uh, <laughs> by default almost, the two lead teams in the NFC North. And uh, to get over the loss on Sunday, Alex Singleton, the Bronco inside linebacker, said for him the answer was turning football off. And this is from Nick Cosmider's piece in The Athletic today. He is, according to Nick Cosmider, a football junkie. This is Alex Singleton. 
if there's a game on, he's usually watching, but not Monday night after being on the wrong end of the blowout by the Dolphins. The last thing Singleton wanted to do was watch any part of a Monday night football doubleheader in the two yeah. games. He says, I got away from it, didn't watch any football, I didn't think about it. Good idea. Depends on his personality, if he's an extrovert or an introvert. I mean, you know, I think it being an extrovert, I think you, you want to expose yourself to stimuli. And you want to be able to move through that and be mentally enhanced through that. So you're not avoiding it. If you're an introvert at times, getting away from the stimuli is good. Um, so it depends on the personality. But at the end of the day, you know, when they come back on Wednesday morning of this week, they, they had to face the music and watch the tape and understand where they are, were and where they're going. So, again, just depending on the personality, getting away is good for some and sometimes the sooner they can face it and, and work through it, the better. And Quinn Miners made reference to that. It was a hard-to-watch film. I think yeah. that was the same phrase that Sean Payton used after the game when he said, you know, we really have to watch it, although it'll be very hard to watch. Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle who continued to struggle this past Sunday, said the following. We're trying to figure this thing out. Obviously, it's year one in our tenure with Coach Payton, and we're all trying to figure this thing out and grow to uh, uh, and grow as this process goes on. But to come in and act as if the sky is falling or the season is over after three weeks is absolutely insane. And of course, my wise guy reaction was losing by fifty points is kind of insane. Yeah, kind of crazy. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, he goes on to say, we have a lot of work to do. We have a really good chance to improve this week and a chance to write the ship. You talked about that a minute uh, ago, whether it's 20 degrees, 10 degrees, 40 degrees, whatever. Uh, one is a streak. As soon as you get one, things fall into place and guys start believing a little bit more and the process continues on. We've got a long way to go in this thing and it would be pretty pointless to operate under an emotional swing of, oh, this thing is over now, even though I'm sure Mike McGlinchey is aware that exactly one team, since the NFL went to 32 teams and eight divisions of four teams each in 2002, only one team out of 99 starting 0-3 has made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, one thing I want Mike to know is, and all of the listeners and viewers to know is, we got to stop using what we call yellow box words. There's red, yellow, green, like the yeah. street light, right? Okay, explain that to me. Red box words are, it's going to be hard, it's tough, I can't, I don't know if I can. Yellow is questioning. I'll try, I'll give it a shot. Did you notice his second word was, we're trying to right the ship? Yes. No, we're not trying to right the ship. We're going to right the ship. We have a really good chance to improve this week and a chance to right the ship. But there's you, the, the but beyond yeah, yeah, there, the, he yeah. said, we're trying to turn this around. Yes. He used that word yes. trying. And so here's my point. Imagine the whole team from front office to. We're to, trying to figure this thing. We're out. trying to figure Absolutely. this thing out yeah. to coaching staff, to players, to ball boys, to towel. Everyone in that building said, we're going to get this figured out. We are going to get this figured out. 
We're going to get better week by week. This isn't a one-day fix. It's not even a one-week fix. It's not a quick fix. But we're going to get better, and you you feed your brain those words. Yes. You will start to get better no matter what because the brain will believe what you tell it. And so much is in that, Sandy, that we've got to be able to feed our brain the positivity, the green box words, the green box words that our brain is is thirsty and hungry for. But when someone says, well, we're going to try and figure this out. No, you know what that is? That's a yellow box word. And what it does, it leaves the back door open so I can run out and go, you know what? We're going to say the same thing next week, too. We tried. We're still trying. Forget trying. We're going to do things. And and trying is, there was a great book that I remember reading many, many, many years ago um, by Jerry Eisenberg, the the longtime columnist of the Newark Star-Ledger, who was very close to Bill Parcells and collaborated with him on a book. And the book was entitled No Medals for Trying. Mm. Yeah. No Medals for Trying. And that was the Parcells philosophy. Trying is a given. As a pro, in any business, Mm -hmm. in any endeavor, you should be trying your best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a, that, that should be a given. Yeah. We're trying to figure this thing out. That, that sounds to me like an excuse or maybe a better term is a rationalization. Yeah. You know, for, for O and three, yeah. well, we, we've been trying to figure this out and you know, uh, it's year one and well, it, it's year one for a bunch of coaches in this league who have never coached before, and those guys are four and five. Yeah. Frank Reich and Sean Payton, who have coached before and have been, as a head coach in Payton's case, as a lead assistant in Reich's case, both have been involved with teams that won Super Bowls. Yeah. And they're 0-6. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me that it, I don't know what they're saying in Carolina right now, the two experienced head coaches are 0 6, and the players are saying, Well, we're trying to get things straight. But the first time head coaches in their first year are 4 and 5. Yeah. Yeah. I- including D'Amico Ryan's down right. in Houston, who actually looks like he's got a decent team. I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs, but they blew out Jacksonville the other day. And Jacksonville was one of the three or four teams mentioned at the start of the season that. Had the best chance of coming out of the AFC and maybe going to the Super Bowl. You see, I know D'Amico. He's a green box guy. He's a green box guy. It shows in Houston because they're playing with their hair on fire. That's the way he talks. Every week. Let me tell you something. When I was in college, when I was playing football in college, we were behind at halftime 33 to nothing. Our defensive coordinator walks in there and he says, first off, I'm going to look. He says, look me in the eye. He says, we're going to win this game. I'm just telling you right now, we're going to win this game. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get a stop in the first series. Offense is going to get the ball. We're going to throw down. We're going to get points. I don't know if we're going to get a touchdown or a field goal. We're going to get another stop. But anyway, he just he set that intention. We're going to win this game. He didn't go, we're going to try. Let's go out and just stop him. He says, we're going to win this game. And I got to tell you, Sandy, every time we came off the field after we got a stop, he would say it again. Keep working. We're going to win this game. We won that game 35-33. to 33. We shut him out in the second half. And I believe after that game, I remember thinking, whoa, anything is really possible. It really is. And I didn't know it was psychology at that point. 
I just thought he was, man, this guy's a guru. This guy's an incredible visionary. But he set the tone. He set the intention and said, we're going to win this game. This is how. Let's go out and do it. Let's go out and execute it. So Sean Payton would be well-versed right now to take a lesson in psychology 101, and that is you flood your brain with positivity because the upper cortical structure of the brain will drink what you take it and what you give it. All right, I'll give you a little bit of Sean Payton. then. Let's do it. Saying he saw signs yesterday that his team had moved on whatever that means. Uh, how to flush <laughs> it and be ready for Wednesday. Yeah. We talked about this is what we do for a living. No one passed away, Peyton said, refer- referencing supportive but somber texts he received in the wake of Sunday's loss. We'll get through it. Every one of these guys is the same way. You have to work your way out of this. It starts with getting the first win. The next week can't come quick enough. So I think that's where we're at. He added, we need a win. Chicago does too. That's why we have to win these days, Wednesday, Thursday. And, of course, speaking yesterday, he said, I thought today was a really good practice. We have to follow that up tomorrow, but a win would mean a lot for us right now. Uh, break that down for us. Is there enough green box stuff in there <laughs> or too much yellow and red box stuff? No, he's got a little bit of green sprinkled in with some All yellow, right. and right. I like that. Um, you know, he said nobody passed away. No, but there's some people in a coma, and I'd say that. There's a, com- there's a couple comas out there, and what we need to realize is we can't minimize this. That's the last thing we want to do. Exactly. We don't exactly. want to minimize this. Exactly. this is, that this, makes sense. They're really in a serious point. I think they in do their minimize these things, and I think they've been doing do. that for a long time. I do. They've had they've had embarrassing. Look at Christmas Day. Now they yeah. Their answer to that was fire the coach, which I understand. Understandable reaction, and it was a gots to go situation after that ridiculous uh, debacle in Los Angeles, yeah. Inglewood, actually, SoFi. Uh, last christmas day 51 mm-hmm. to 14 well this is worse right <laughs> right yeah. so uh, they they came back they played two meaningless games under jerry rossberg as an interim coach won one lost one and thought they were finishing the season on the upswing which i thought was ridiculous uh because the last impression people had of them the last game they were on national tv was christmas day and they got yeah thoroughly humiliated and flat out quit and it looked like a bunch of guys quit the other day, too. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? You're right, Sean. Nobody's passed away, but there are people in a coma, and this is serious. And, you know, here's the other question I have, Sandy. Why are there so many ex-Broncos coming out in the last two to three days saying Sean Payton's a, a you-know-what, an ASS? Yeah. Yeah. Why are they saying that? I, I know the answer to that question, yeah. but he better look at himself in a mirror how he's being perceived because if he's being perceived that way by former players, I'll guarantee you there's there's players on that team. And these are former players who competed against his teams in yes, New Orleans. Yes, That goes back a long way. Oh, yes, it does. And I, I would ask himself, don't minimize this loss. It's actually a golden opportunity for you to really take a leadership role within this team and your staff to like take a leadership role. So in Chicago on Sunday, I don't put that on the players. We're going to see what kind of leadership Sean Payton has. Let's put your money where your mouth is, those millions of dollars that you're earning. Let's see what kind of leadership you have to, to lead your staff, OC, quarterback coach, DC. 
let's see where your leadership meter is because this is on you. This is what you are hired for to lead this team. You look at two people for leadership. You look at the head coach. We talked about that. We'll look at the quarterback, Russell Wilson, next as we continue with our number two. Sandy Cleft, Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean Rotar, who will be returning tomorrow. This is Mile High Sports 98.1 FM and 107.5 HD3.